envelope with interest. Though Nana had grown up there, she'd been gone too long for any relative or friend to be writing. I balanced the envelope on my palm, weighing it. You got to open it, Allie, if you plan to read it, my grandmother said as she prepared our dinner, a can of pork and beans over toast. I twisted a strand of my sun-bleached hair behind my ear and shrugged. It can't be bad news, Nana. Surely nothing terrible can travel three states to get us. We'd been on the move for almost five years. First Kansas, then Arkansas, and now Tennessee. I'd hear about jobs opening somewhere with better pay and Nana would pack. We'd learned our lesson when Grandpa died. It didn't pay to get too attached to a place or to people. The duplex was only ours while we paid the rent, and people tend to forget they know you when times get hard. Nana called us corner peepers, always thinking something better lay just around the bend. Every time we moved, I'd notify the post office in Clinton, Oklahoma, where I'd grown up, just in case someone was looking for us. No one ever had, until now. What's it say, child? Nana's voice had taken eighty years to mature into pure twang. At 26, I no longer considered myself a child, but I knew I'd always be one to her. It's from a lawyer in Lubbock. I raised an eyebrow as I unfolded the papers. Nana loved me to read the mail, even flyers addressed to occupant. I read the first paragraph, then frowned. Nana leaned over my shoulder as if she could see the type without her glasses. I straightened. It seems this is the fourth address he's tried. Nana dried her hands on her apron. Well, whoever it's from is persistent. What could he want with us? I could hear the unsaid words in her deep breath that followed. We'd had bills find us before, and somehow we'd managed to pay them. I read the entire first page before I whispered, I've inherited Uncle Jefferson's lake property out on Twisted Creek. Nana looked up at me, her light blue eyes as clear with reason as ever. You don't have an Uncle Jefferson, Allie. Your mother was my only child. I knew the whole story. Nana had my mother during her change of life, and my mother had me at 15 with half the freshman football team denying ever having known Carla Daniels and the other half smiling. Nana took over raising me when my mom left for college. In truth, I barely remember Carla. She was always forgetting she had me. I was an embarrassment to her, like teenage acne, and she usually tried to cover me up. When she moved out at 18, no one was surprised she forgot to pack me along. About the time I started first grade, my mother was off to New York and a career. For a while, she came home at Christmas. Then she claimed she needed a chance to see the world. I'd only talked to her twice since my grandfather had died and I moved home. Both times, my mother treated my call as if I were a telemarketer. Nana lost all interest in the letter that made no sense. She set the table with cloth napkins and a plastic centerpiece, as if we were dining on something other than a can of beans. Just before she sat down, 
she passed the wind chime hanging over the sink and brushed it lightly with her fingers. The hollow chimes I'd heard all my life tinkled through the kitchen. I smiled at the sound and continued to read through the letter from the lawyer in Texas. When I flipped to the third page, a slip of paper drifted out and floated to the floor. Picking it up, I stared at a check for $5,000 made out in my legal name. In the bottom left corner, someone had typed, For Traveling Expenses. Somebody must be playing a joke on us. I handed Nana the check. Nana pulled her glasses from her apron pocket and examined the paper. It's a cashier's check. I've seen a few before, and they are good as cash. Taking another look, I reread the letter. This can't be for real, can it? Nana divided the beans on.